Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. James Francis Bryan. Iowa. Sheldon Willis. A lot of gaming commission. Francois Pinot. Captain of the Me, sir? I don't know who I am! I'm a botanist. I'm a Texas Ranger. I am a traveler in both time and space. Impersonating practically anybody. I do like their man. Hello, and welcome to Signwave, a podcast where we chart the peaks and valleys of actors' careers and Hollywood in general. My name is Sean. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Hannah. Hi! And today, we are here to talk to you about our first ever Jim Carrey movie. Borat, what, what's, which actor are we focusing on for this series? Because you haven't said his name. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, we're, wait, we're following an actor in this? Sean. It's too late, and we've done too many recordings <laughs> this week for you to start gallivanting. For uh, your, I don't want this tomfoolery tonight. <laughs> for this season of the podcast, we are charting the peaks and valleys of Matt Damon's career specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how big or small his role is, no matter how good or bad the film is. Or how much screen time he has. Yeah, we're going to watch all of them. And this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm, because Matt doesn't appear in the movie. Uh, his voice does in a scene. Matt appears in this movie about as much as he does in Titan AE. No. Maybe a little bit less, but... Well, he's the main voice actor in Titan AE. Yeah, true. Yeah, Matt Matt only has a voice role in this, and it's... And it's a cameo. He's in a scene voice role. Yeah. It's comparable to Finding Forrester in terms of the Matt you get in this movie. Yeah, it's somewhere between uh, Field of Dreams and Finding Forrester. Yeah, what movie are we talking about today, Sean? We are talking about The Majestic, starring Jim Carrey, uh, Laurie Holden, and some other people. Yeah. Uh, who I, I don't have the, the cast list up in front of me, so I'm not entirely sure. I feel so unsettled that you're doing the intro. <laughs> there's no reason, the reason why Sean wanted to do the intro, nothing, there's no bit work happening here. Yeah. We just sat down and I was starting to get ready and Sean was like, I want to do it. And I was like, oh, I feel unsettled. That <laughs> we'll back yeah, this is like, not a Kevin Smith film. Yeah. Kevin Smith has no involvement in you this. You do like this, this director. I do I like think, Frank Darrow. I think that's yes. why you wanted to introduce yeah. the podcast. Is that why? Or is it Jim? Yeah, no, it's 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 both. It's, it's, both. it's Jim and Frank. Uh, Two people I have no relationship with. Yeah, uh, this was directed by Frank Darabont, the guy who did uh, The Mist, uh, Shawshank Redemption, and the first season of The Walking Dead. And The Green Mile. And The Green Mile, yes. Uh, a director who I like quite a lot. I have. I like Shawshank. This is my, the second of his films I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we really get into the film, uh, we... It's so weird that you're doing the intro for this. <laughs> <I'm>, I... <laughs> Uh, before we really get into the film, uh, generally what we do is before we start talking about the movie itself, we do a little bit of a, a media roundup because we're both very busy and don't really have time to talk about media like yeah. kind of generally anymore. And this week's media roundup is going to be a little bit weird. If you listen to our last episode, you know what's going on here. Should we explain it for... I think that's another reason I feel unsettled. Yeah. We recorded yesterday. <laughs> we recorded yesterday. So to drop... Yeah. Uh, we normally do the show weekly for circumstances within my control. Entirely within Hannah's control. Yeah, uh, I'm busy next week. And I we decided to be nice and not make Sean edit this for like 16 hours before the episode went up. Yeah, I just uh, have to edit a three-hour episode before Tuesday. Yeah, but that's like... I feel like there's not too much editing. It'll be grand. Yeah. I gotta um, cut out all the Phoenix bullshit, but we'll be fine. Yeah. This week's like media section is basically split into two because we didn't do media for like three weeks and then yeah. we're doing it twice. So I can't ask Sean the important question, which is what's happening with the X-Men this Because I already talked about them. Temporal pincer movement. That's a callback, you see. 
I like the way I've been like, I need to, I need to do the media stuff. Yeah. This is a this is a Hannah centric media episode. Yeah. But first, because so, I actually joined in with this media discussion this week because of the circumstances of how we had to watch the movie. <laughs> Girls Book Club. It's Girls Book Club. Girls Book Club. Yeah, uh, so this is another film that we watched together. Uh, we didn't record ourselves watching it this time we because had a bit it's of a, two and a half hours we long. We had a bit of an arduous watch trying to watch the 2001 film The Majestic. I don't know if you said the name of the movie yet. The Majestic. I did say it, I, I believe. Um, it is quarter to ten. Uh-huh. We're under time pressure because my buses are going to stop soon. Yeah. So this is a shorter episode. We're sorry. You got a three hour episode last week. Yeah, I've, I've had a few drinks. So I'm a little bit silly tonight, maybe. Sean, uh, I'm having a medicinal Negroni. Yeah. <laughs> ordered uh, by my mother because I was uh, stressed out about watching the movie. Um, ordered by Hannah's mother, made by me. Mm-hmm. Girls Book Club. It's the first episode of Girls I've watched in about two years. This is episode three. Has she done the job interview yet? Nope. Ugh, did I watch the wrong episode of Girls? Wait, no. I think she did the job interview because she has the job in this She did episode. a job interview where she makes like a Holocaust joke at the end of it? Yeah, no, that's this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that that's the, the previous episode. Okay. Um, there was so much going on in that other episode that I completely forgot to mention mm. that. But uh, this... That's when I quit Washington Girls. Yeah, good. Um, this episode is uh, in the same way that Sex and the City chooses kind of a topic to, to deal with every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, girls apparently has also started to do that. Okay. Uh, because this is the misogyny episode. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't it's... think it was a bad episode of TV. I... I didn't think it was great. I thought it was l- clumsy. This episode has only furthered my, uh, my, my thesis statement on girls. Which is? Which is if you cut Lena Dunham out of it, it's pretty... Okay, show it's fine. Yeah, uh, but Lena Dunham's character is just so insufferable that it's difficult to to watch. She's just like I don't like how she's called Hannah. <laughs> um, she's just this character that has so little self respect for herself mm-hmm. or for other people. For other people, she's just so quite thoroughly unlikable, and terrible stuff happens to her. Yeah. But again, I think it's what you say every time we talk about girls. It's like, we now know Leah Dunham's Dunham just kind of like this. Yeah. That you don't feel like you're watching it and you're like, fuck off, Leah. Like, mm. it's you can't. it just seems like it's Leah Dunham. I don't know. Yeah. The, this episode is the episode about misogyny, but it's also, I think, quite a misogynist episode. Yeah. Like, it... <laughs> weirdly, it treats a lot of the women in it really badly. Mm. Um, like... I do think the two, yeah. her two co-workers. Yeah, yeah, they're they're weird. terrible. Yeah, they're just very mean to her, and then they're, they're like they're really mean to her. Their whole thing is that they um, allow themselves to be sexually assaulted at work at work in order to further their careers, and they think that that is the right thing to do. And they like bully other people who don't do that, which could be if it was like. Cri- or interrogated at all in this show mm-hmm. that that could be 
thing that... That, like, women allow, like, sexual assault to happen in the workplace and encourage it to happen because they don't want to be the one that ruins their career pointing it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is actually, like, a very... That, yeah, that a is a thing. thing to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Um, um, but the way that the show puts it is it's that... It's comedic. It's it's comedic and it's also just that they, like... Villains. Ter- yeah, yeah, they they are just, just terrible people yeah, just, in the show. Yeah. Like, and... Oh, no, I didn't like it. Didn't like this episode at all. Yeah. I do think... I do remember the character I always liked in Girls is the... Um, I think she's what, the, the roommate's cousin or something. Sh- uh, Shoda? Oh, Shoshana, Shoshana. The Virgin. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, like yeah. her character. Yeah, she's, she's cool. I like yeah, her. Yeah, I think, she, I think her actress is very funny in yeah. her delivery of things. Because she's very... One of the things I don't like about girls is that all of the actresses are deadpan. Yeah. And like, you, you need... You can't just have a straight man. You need to have the funny man as well. You need the Samantha. You need yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Shoshana is the best one at being the straight man. Yeah. Because her whole thing is she's like very like very waspy, but she wants to be kind of cool. Yeah, and she just doesn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like it's a bad show. Um, yeah, I'm, not sorry good, not a good show. I'm sorry that I'm I'm sorry I inflicted it on you. Mm-hmm. Um, Season two is coming. I st- I feel bad I've inflicted that on you as well. I was lost in the madness of winning. Too late. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I see this thing. I'm curious if season two is better. That's kind of... I don't me know, too. Me too. Are you kind of like me where you want to figure out why the girls phenomenon happened? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. See, yeah. this is the thing. I've been kind of guiding this so far, but I also don't have the media list. So <laughs> this is maybe going to take over a little bit. I'm going to take you over a little bit to talk about a book I've been reading, mm. um, which is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. It's three tomorrows. Yeah. In three days time. You have to publish the three hour episode. it's a book it won like the fiction prize in goodreads last year it's really interesting actually it's basically about these two people sadie and sam who they meet when they're kids in la they're both from la and kind of the book starts it's like eight years later after they've met they have not seen each other in eight years for circumstances you kind of like learn about in the book and then they meet in like a subway station in harvard because Sam goes to Harvard, Harvard. Harvard. Uh, Sadie goes to MIT, and she's a video game designer. Like she's studying video games, and just it's based- like the girl from the kissing booth. I'm not gonna. Um, <laughs> basically, what the whole th- you look, kind of notice from the back of the book is that they go on to kind of found the gaming studio, and it's about kind of their interpersonal lives and um, like you know the 90s kind of gaming scene and like the gaming scene in general and there's oh, a it's a very interesting that's pretty, that's- it's a really interesting book because um like the author is um korean a korean american who's also like half jewish oh cool which is like an interesting mix so like sadie is a jewish character and sam is a korean american sure so there's a lot about like you know being a korean american um and that kind of representation like he's quite working class she's very upper class um and there's a lot of things about the book. Like later on in the book, you know, he's kind of seen as being the poster boy for the company they found because he's like a shy guy in tech in the 90s. And she's just like, he's he's always really like, oh, she's my creative partner, but she's shy and he does all the press because he's good at press. So everyone's like, their video games are always his ideas and stuff sure. like that. It's very interesting. It has, the, I'm halfway through it. It has done a plot point, which I really dislike. Um, I will say if you are sensitive to mentions of like illness, maybe a book to avoid because like, I think it's actually very interesting the book does. Like, Sam is a, like, has a chronic condition. He basically was in a car accident as a child and he, like, loses the ability to, like, use his foot. 
and that's kind of like a thing throughout the book is like him like talking about his pain so if you're like sensitive to discussions of pain and like characters being in like physical pain it's not great and like there's other kind of stuff about like mental illness and like illness and stuff which you're sensitive to it maybe avoid but it's it's handled quite respectfully it has done a thing which i kind of hate in books where they like drop a twist abortion into the book oh wild yeah where they're like this is why this character was sad and i'm like oh okay yeah Yeah. a character yeah Yeah. like understandable like it is understandable why Mm -hmm. the character would be sad but i'm also like you can have that happen at the point you don't have to reveal it later on as like a twist it's just something like i don't like that trope you know yeah Yeah. that's just i like the book but that's the last chapter i read that happened and i was like yeah fuck off I'm really enjoying it though. I, I haven't read a lot of like modern fiction books about like video game design and video game development. Um, but it's very refreshing because like it's kind of written in the voice of someone like doing an, a history of the studio. So there's all these. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, it's, like, like, like from like a biographical point? Almost. So like they reference interviews that they do like kind of later on in the book. They're talking about a point that's like they refer to an interview he does like 20 years later. Like Sam oh, okay. does. Okay. But like each each kind of section, there's like eight sections of the book. Each section has like a different writing style. Sure. So one of the sections I just wrote, they do like a A side and B side where the A side is from Sadie's say, point of view and then the B side is from like Sam's point of view, like okay. the same time frame. It's very interesting. I really like it. I'd be interested in that. I would kind of worry that it might, like with things like that where kind of media like leans into moving to different styles every time. Mm-hmm. I have found that... I can't even remember the exact thing. I remember there was something that I watched that did that. I think it was Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, it's a bit jarring. It's not not even that it's jarring. It's that it leans into the like gimmicks of that style too much. I would say when I say it changes writing style, like it's still the same voice throughout. Sure. But it's just like the information is presented in a slightly different okay. way, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's like, It's a very well-written yeah. book. I'm really enjoying reading it. Cool. Another thing I really enjoyed, and Sean was here when I fell in love with the show, is Gen V, the new... <laughs> <laughs> so I have only seen the first two episodes. I've seen cause... the first four or five, I think. Yeah. I got um, hyper fixated on this show for like I, I really like the first I two episodes. Really, I think yeah. it's a really smart show. Mm. So you, um, do you want to talk about Gen V? Because I... So, The Boys... I feel like we need to talk about The Boys a little bit. The Boys is a comic book. The Boys is a terrible comic book. that You I've... hate The Boys, don't you? I don't hate The Boys. First read it when I was like 19. And the comic is like the most over-the-top edgelord shit you've ever read. Yeah. That makes maybe two or three interesting points throughout its whole runtime. What The Boys is about, it's basically like, a, what if superheroes were actually real in America? Like, yeah. the Captain America, like, they've existed, say, at the same time that, like, the Marvel and these, like, DC comics kind of started. So since the 50s. Yeah. And it looks for it being like, oh, yeah, they would be, like, a corporate evilness. Kind yeah. of like, like a Hollywood or something. Yeah. But, like, my understanding of The Boys comic is they're just so edgy that it's, like, almost not enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. For most of the time. It's one of those comics where I, I've read the whole thing maybe three times. Yeah. And it's it's always just like, I read through it and I'm like, oh, they can't, they don't do this, right? Oh, no, they actually did that. What the fuck do they do with this? And then they don't do anything with it. Like, it seems like My... a comic that's, the idea is great and things that happen in it are great, but it's just like badly executed at times. Uh, the boys comic is... Only so Garth Ennis is the guy who wrote the comic. He's Northern Irish. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he wrote. He's written some really good stuff. He wrote really good Punisher series. He wrote. He wrote, in my opinion, the best six issues of Constantine. Yeah. 
He wrote the best six issues of Constantine and then all of the worst issues of Constantine after it. But the only reason that it's not his worst comic is because he wrote another worse one. But... The, reason- the TV show, it's one of the only things where I would say that the adaptation is far better than the original. And the TV show is on its on Amazon, you've probably heard about it. Funnily yeah. enough, it's made by the same guy who made Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, so, I have so this- Jensen Ackles is in it. Jensen Ackles is in it, <laughs> which is, the reason I know he's in it, I think is very funny. Um, I've told you this story, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Eric Kirkby, he's a very good showrunner, I think, and he's a very, he's done other things as well. I can't remember the other thing, he did something between the boys and... Supernatural. He probably did. I don't know. He did, but I just can't remember what it is. But he did started the boys like five years ago now. I want to say. Yeah. And basically, what Gen V is, it's set in the world of the boys. I would say you don't need to watch the boys to really watch Gen V. Yeah, probably not. Um, uh, Jensen Ackles does apparently show up in the most recent episode, but I don't know how much he shows up in. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, me neither. But basically, in the world of the boys slash Gen V, spoilers, I guess, for like the, the what's happening in the show. Mm. People are superheroes because they got like injected with like a chemical. Um, yeah. So it's this like super university that's set up, and you have yes. this like main the the introduction of the main character getting her powers is one of the most fucked oh, up. We watched it together because we were like, yeah, we'll just turn this on. It was after we recorded, we recorded like a month ago. Yeah, that's why we haven't talked about it yet. I, I screamed watching it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, this is the most shocking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, which is like it's a. A teenage girl getting her period for the first time, which is a very horrible moment. Mm. And her mother goes to comfort her because she kind of knows what's happening. And she gets so spooked out. It's when she realizes she can control blood and she kills her mother with her own period blood. Yeah. I screamed. We were hootering <laughs> and hollering. The part that got you was Emma. Emma and her uh, the, her male caller. Wait, shit. Which one was that? Um, The guy she hooked up with in the first episode. It's been a long time since I've cricket. seen this. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Cricket. Cricket's great. Yeah. Again, another show, Trigger Warnings. Just look up the show, what the show's like. Th- this is the reason I haven't watched episode three yet. Yeah. Because I ha- want- Hannah warned me about episode three. And I was like, okay, but I need to... Um, uh, I need to... I it's need just to a good... It's basically bed. like... I, it does something I love, which is like, it's... It's something... It's an adolescent show, but they're all in college. Yeah, you know what? You know what this is? Monster Hearts? It's This is the boys' X-Men. Yeah, that's why yeah. Sean liked it. I like it because I think it's very good. Because basically the main character yeah. goes to this university and she wants to be like the top draft pick coming out of the university because yeah. she's like been in superhero juvie because she killed her parents. But I think it's a very well-written show because like all the characters are kind of fucked up. But they're not fucked up for like PSA fucked up. They're fucked up because yeah. they're, like, they're people. It, it has one of the only examples of like a character whose whole thing is like mind reading and mind control. Who yeah. is at least as of episode two, pretty explicitly morally good. You find in episode three why she's so morally good. Okay. Do you want me to spoil it for no. you? It's fucked. Okay. It's fucked. Good. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would imagine it's it's the boys' universe. Yeah, but like it's fucked in a like I can totally understand why this would happen yeah in like it's not like edgy for the sake of being edgy it's like very respectful i love luke 
he's such a Hannah boy. It's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> There's a guy in the show that's like, um, his name this, is... This is the reason why Hannah kept watching it, is because of this I think guy. the line I said to Sean was, he has a deep sadness in his eyes. I love him. Mm. Which is basically like the, the kind of, the, the, the star quarterback, the like best boy in the school, is a yeah. boy called Luke. That his like best friends with the dean, who's voiced by Mr. Krabs or played by, played Mr. by Mr. Krabs, Krabs. yeah, Clancy um, Brown, also from uh, Detroit Become Human, and uh, Shawshank, yeah, yeah, like very famous actor. You know Clancy Brown to see him. It all loops back to Shawshank. It's all loops back to Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> he basically like at the end of the first episode kills his like father figure, yeah, and then kills himself in like a dramatic way. And I was like, I'm hooked, baby. Hannah watched about the first two thirds of the first episode. And then I had to go home because it was like, I was a late record yeah. night. Yeah. And I was like, Sean, this is going to activate something within me. And yeah. it did. I really <laughs> it like did, it. Yeah. I really like it. Hell yeah. Uh, it's a very fun show. Mm-hmm. Speaking of comics, Sean, there's other comics to talk about because... Um, I've got two other comics to talk about and a third that I wish I could talk about. I've got Tenement, number five, which is... Uh, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, and Dave Stewart. We're going to find out what the fuck is actually happening in this series in the next issue. You said that last time. We're actually going to find it out next time. Because it's the last one? Uh, no, we. this is a 10-issue series. Oh. We're, at, we're at the halfway point. Okay. This issue has... I'm actually just going to open it up real quick. Because this issue has one of the, my favourite uh, two-page spreads of the year thus far. Um, I can't wait for your uh, like comic roundup of the year. Me too, because I think there's going to be some surprising takes in it. Dave Stewart, as the colorist, is doing fucking God's work. In oh, this. love that. Yeah. In this issue... Can I flick? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in this issue... Very cool. The gang go down a drain in a bath, and there are bad things down there. <laughs> there is... Uh, oh, love this- that. Andrea Sorrentino's real strength as an artist is his paneling because it's just amazing every time. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's so interesting. Ooh. This is what's down the drain. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that's what I love. It's yeah. cool. It's great. It's great horror like imagery. Um, yeah. But I love They They find the guy that they are looking for and he is going to tell them things about what's happening. England uh, lost the rugby. You'd be happy to hear. Excellent. Hell So yeah. it is a South African New Zealand final. Ah, uh, shout out to New Zealand. But they beat us. I th- I hope New Zealand win. But what about the Springboks? Matt what about Damon, them? huh? What about them? They um, it's who Matt Damon plays in the movie. Yeah, I know. We the like all blacks South- are better. Is are you saying that because we lost to the All Blacks, but we beat South Africa? I'm saying that because I like the All Blacks. That's fair. The hack is cool. Hacker is cool. Hacker is uh, cool. The other comic I have to talk about this week is Coda issue number two of the second season. Second season, it's only five issues this time, right? Oh. Then uh, 12 issues the first time around. But look, it's more Coda. I'm happy with that. Yeah. By Sizeberger and Matthias Bergara. How's uh, the little lad doing? He died. <laughs> <laughs> he dies halfway through the issue, and a cult has grown up around him as like the, the martyr messiah. How did uh, he die? He got fucking, someone shot him. Are you delighted he's dead, or are you sad? I was shocked that he died, and that happened like two-thirds of the way through the issue, and I was like, no, this doesn't happen now. What the fuck did they do next? And then I kept going, as Coda's great. I yeah. love Coda. What's the third comic you can't talk about? Because the third comic I can't talk about is a hack slash back to school, which is uh, which released this week. And I can't talk about it because I couldn't get my hands on it. Oh, fuck. Um, did it, it sell is, out everywhere? 
as far as I can tell, nowhere in Dublin got it. Oh, weird. Yeah, but it's the new comic by Zoe Thurgood, who did uh, It's Lonely at the Centre of the Earth and The uh, Impending Blindness of Billy Scott, who is one of the best upcoming comic creators. And I'm very excited to read it, but I just haven't been able to get my hands on it. Is it just like they didn't... Have you ordered it or are you not going to get it? I probably could. Yeah. Uh, like if, if I go in and I ask them, they'll probably order it in for me, but it will be a little bit more expensive for me. Um, wait till you get that uh, substitution pay to do it. Mm. Or I'll just wait till it comes out in trade Omnibus. paperback. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, I mentioned that New York Comic Con happened. A new John Constantine series by Cy Spurrier has been announced and I'm very happy about it. Yay. Yeah. Uh, talking about murder, I have two Ooh. two murder. Actually, there's a lot of murder on this. The rest of the media section, so mm-hmm. we'll blitz so we can get to this movie. Yeah, because it is ten o'clock, and <laughs> I need to get home. Uh, my a show I really like that surprising. I love it as much as I do. Is only murders in the building. This is the one with Selena Gomez. Selena right? Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great cozy show. Oh. I love a cozy show. Which is like something I really love when I used to watch a lot of TV. Because like Sean can attest to this. I used to watch a shit ton of TV. And then I got a social life. I kind (laughs) of miss it. I kind of miss having as much TV time as I did. That I used to love like watching say two episodes of something really heavy. And then like an episode of something that was like say only half an hour versus an hour. That was like my wind down show. And Only Murders in the Building is kind of my wind down show. And it's basically like... Steve Martin is like an out of work actor who used to be on like cop procedural. Martin Short is like a disgraced Broadway like film like Broadway producer. And Selena Gomez is like a woman in her late thirties that doesn't know what the fuck to do with her life. <laughs> who's staying in her like aunt's rich aunt's apartment when she's like doing it up before she sells it. And they all live in sure. the same building. And in each season of the show, a murder happens. And the three of them have to solve it. But they solve it because they do a podcast. Oh, they do a podcast. Yeah. So they're like, but it's very, it's just a very smart show. Cause like the first season, like it's really well written. You can also tell that like Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short are very good friends. So they really play off each other well. And then sure. like, I, I didn't watch Disney channel cause I didn't have Disney channel as a kid. So I have no, I don't, I had no opinion on Selena Gomez. Sure. She's so, she's really good in it because she is kind of, she kind of does that straight man role where a lot of her stuff is she's just watching these two kind of legends of comedy do stuff. Mm. And she's just like, I don't know what to do in this situation. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm just going to bully you. Um, I just have to look up Martin Short there because he's one of those actors who I, I like. I you know, know his I, name? I yeah. know his name, but I, I could never put a face to him. But yeah, I know who Martin Short is. He's very funny. Yeah. I would not have been like, oh, Martin Short's funny until I tried watching the show. Sure. But you're just like, he just always chooses the most interesting take, like thing to do in a scene. Yeah. And Steve... Steve Martin is such a selfless, 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 selfless actor. Mm. He will always just make do like do something that makes him like look the worst in a scene, and you're like, that's very yeah. good. Um, <laughs> it's a very funny show. I really like it because it does this kind of like who did it murder kind of stuff, but it um it's also quite funny because they're they're they feel kind of like real idiots. Sure. And I love a show. Does Selena Gomez do any magic in it? No. She does, she's I'm bisexual out. in it. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. She, yeah. Shout out to the bisexuals. Yeah. It's, it's not terrible representation. Okay. It does feel a little... They do something I hate where in like season two... Like season two she has a girlfriend. Sure. Um, but it, it, they do a thing of it's very clear that like 
her boyfriend that she has at the end of season one, they just, the, the actor didn't want to come back, so they write him out of the show, which I always kind of hate what shows do. But then she, she gets a girlfriend and that's kind it's of... something that they just kind of have to, to do, do you yeah. Because I think it was going to be a once-off and then it just did so well, they kept the show going. Yeah, the like the understanding that I had of it when the first season came out, just from like social media and shit, was that it was a one-off. They did write in a way at the end of season one that there could have been another season. Okay. And they've kind of done that for each of this. But like this recent st- season... Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd are in it. <gasps> Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's in it playing... Ant-Man is in it. Ant-Man's in it playing a guy called the Cobra. <laughs> he did it. He killed him. He's dead. He's the murder victim. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this show is good. I really recommend Only Murders in the Building. It's a yeah. very fun... Like, if you're just looking for something kind of like, I want to watch something at the end of the day that's like... Fun, kind of smart, but not too, like, brain-powery. I really recommend it. Yeah. Just, it's filmed in New York. It really feels like it's been filmed in New York as well. Sure. Um, like Sex and the City. Like Sex and the City. Yeah. We don't have any more Sex and the City updates because we recorded yesterday. Today. Um, Sean's murder thing he's been watching before our last yeah. thing to discuss. Sean's been watching all I saw. It was Halloween. I watch, I've watched the first two Saw films. I'm only going to talk about the first one for now because uh, I think the first Saw film is... Would I hate it? I don't think so. No, no, you wouldn't actually. No, yeah. no. Uh, I think you would like Saw a lot because... See, I don't love the like self-mutilation body horror stuff. The first Saw film has very little of that. Yeah. Like it does have a little bit of it, but they like they lean into it a lot in the second one. Mm. But most of the first Saw film is either... Like, two guys trapped in a room mm-hmm. who have to try and figure out the puzzle to get out, or the cops trying to find them. I do love an investigation. The investigation is most of Saw 1. Okay. Like, watching Saw 1, I, I can see why they leaned into the, like, gore for later Saw films, and I can see why they leaned into the focus on, like, Jigsaw's, like, traps, his yeah. elaborate shit that he put into it. Because there's, like, three, maybe traps that are vaguely shown it's probably the unique thing they did in saw one that people talked about so they're like this is what people like about saw it's not even that it's it's that they are the most shocking parts of the film okay and they're shown in flashback okay uh, they're, they're like they're, the reason that the other traps are shown is because there are cops investigating what happened what happened and they start to see a pattern in the murders okay but also that Jigsaw doesn't kill anybody. He only puts them in positions where they can kill themselves. It's it's bullshit. The twist that happens in the first Saw film, right at the end, where... You can spoil it, it's a 20-year-old yeah. movie. Have you seen it? I know that the guy who's dead in the room is Jigsaw. That's it, yeah. yeah. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, the The... The scene where the guy who is in the center of the room, who we have assumed is dead the whole time, just stands up. Oh, it hits. Even, like, I knew it was coming. And it's still, it's still great. Uh, the first saw, highly recommend. You recommend? Yes, yeah. absolutely. The last media thing we have to talk about before Hannah does her song of the week is a movie I watched called Godsford Park with my mother. The same weekend I watched Fair Play, which I talked about last week. Yeah. Because if I'm home alone on a Saturday, or not from home alone, if I'm watching, if I if I have like a Saturday or something, I'm not doing anything. 
I like to put a movie on because I think it's mm. and if it's if I you know, if I've already watched the Matt Damon movie for the week then I can watch something that doesn't have Matt Damon in it yeah it's a fucking pleasure not that I do <laughs> listener I love doing this podcast <laughs> I really do we talked we got emotional last night last night last week talking about it at the end and then I had to flee home because I was tired um it does drive me a little bit insane doing this podcast sometimes like watching a movie that you're not obligated to watch is so good do you know, watching a movie you choose yeah I'm going to see Killers of the Flower Moon tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm going to watch it in like a few days, a week's time, when mm-hmm. I have like a six-hour book. Yeah. to Because that movie's heavy. Yeah. Um, but I watched this movie called Godsford Park, another a 2001 movie by Robert Altman, who's like a very famous screenwriter and director. Uh, he wrote like the original MASH. Like you would like just a lot of like famous like old school movies. He's like since passed away in 2006. I think this might have been his last movie. Great. This movie is... It's made for me and my mom. <laughs> it's a period drama who who do, does it with a murder. Nice. It is I, another film that is made for you and your mom. I think is Do Revenge, which we've I, talked about. We've been talking about watching that movie yeah. for a year. You um, need to watch it. But this movie is like it's got Maggie Smith, uh, Michael Maggie Smith. Fuck yeah, Maggie Smith, Michael Gambon, Kristen Scott Michael Thomas, Gambon? uh, Camila Rudder. Uh, Wait, let, that that's two Harry Potter stars. Let me continue with this cast. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, Camila uh, Rutherford, Charles Dance. Charles Dance? Uh, Garel uh, Somerville, Tom Hallander, who I love Tom Hallander. Who is he? Tom Hallander just plays the, a Tory in everything he's in. That's a Tory looking man. Um, he's in The Thick of It. Okay. Sure. Um, uh, he's in like Pride and Prejudice. What would you have seen him in? He's in the season two of White Lotus. And he's quite good in that. He's in... He's in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's the guy that she's being sent to marry. Oh, yes. He's the guy, that guy. where he like walks down the thing in slow-mo yeah. and the ship is blowing up. Yeah. Like yeah, he's, yeah. I re- he's one of my, I, he's like weirdly one an actor I really like. Yeah. Uh, he's like in the night manager, but he just like, he's a very funny actor who can also play really sinister really well. Sure. A, a man from the movie we just watched, Bob. Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban's in it playing a movie producer. Oh, nice. Um, who else is in this? Stephen Fry, uh, Clive Owens, Helen Mirren, Emily Watson, Richard E. Grant. Like it's just yeah, it's an insane cast. Holy shit! Um, But it's basically this movie where it is Richard. Sorry, I just want to say Richard E. Grant is so good. I love, and he plays like a smarmy bluff butler who makes fun of everybody. Perfect. Yeah, um, perfect role for him. What this movie basically is is that. This rich man, Michael Gambon, is organizing a weekend of shooting on his estate. So he's in white, invited his wife's sisters and like like various family members and like some of his friends over to his house. And what the first hour of the movie is, is basically like two or three days of like this kind of party. Because it's like, you know, it's like they go say on a Friday and they're all going home on a Sunday and the shooting's on the Saturday or whatever. But it follows... The peep upstairs and downstairs. So downstairs are like all the maids and servants. Yeah. Um, there's also another, like kind of the main character I would say is, what is her name? Because she's really, really good. She's like a Welsh actress. Is it Kelly MacDonald? Potentially. I'll find it. But um, oh, she's just this actress that like, I really like her. She's kind of like the heart of the movie. Like she's like the POV character. She's Maggie Smith's maid. Yeah, Kelly MacDonald. She's just, actually, I just love her. She's one of my like, Anytime she turns up in something, I, I'm excited because I know she's going to be so good in nice. it. But she's basically this maid. Kelly McDonald. You wouldn't kind of know her to see her if you watch a lot of like British. Oh TV. yes, no. Yes. Um, 
She's in Brave. She's in No Country for Old Men. She's um the girlfriend in Train Spotting. Yeah, her that's her first, that's, that's that's her, like, yeah, first that's big movie. She's yeah. like sixteen yeah, yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah, but she's just one of those actresses where she if she turns up in something, you're going to love it. But there's also another actor in it who I fucking am obsessed with. Also, another funny point of this is uh-huh. like. The whole point of the mer- the movie is, you know it's going to turn into an Agatha Christie halfway through it. Okay. There's a film producer there from America who is there to, like, learn about what the English aristocracy is right, is like, because he's doing, like, a Poirot Agatha Christie movie, so he just wants to do research, and he accidentally lands up in a murder. It's <laughs> genius. Hell yeah. Um, but one of the go- I was spo- spoilers for Godfrey Park. Really, I really recommend it if you just want a like a, a, a fun, interesting period drama. Sure. There's a guy in it who. Oh, she's also in. Um, it's actually, I think her. TV roles that I know her from because she's yeah. in uh, Skellig and she's in Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, but there's a guy who I know him because I think I want to get his name right. Um, he is he used to be married to Reese Witherspoon. He's in Cruel Intentions. His name is. Uh, let me just get this. I should have done the research, but I'm silly. I'm silly. Uh, <laughs> it's a late night. Ryan, Ryan Philippe. Ryan Philippe. He used to be like one of the early 90 pretties boys. Like he's in his sure. 50s now, so he's, he's lost. But in this movie, he is pretty. He's doing this atrocious Scottish accent in the movie. <laughs> he's an American accent. It's like Don Cheadle doing his British accent last movie. Yeah, like it's comparable to that. Yeah. But in the universe, everybody is like, because uh, Kelly McDonald's is Scottish and she mm. plays like a Scottish. She's like from like, very up north in Scotland so like she is she's not lost any of her accent and it's like this movie was 20 years ago she's like 27 when they're filming it and mm. she's just like what on earth is wrong with that boy's accent because <laughs> there's no fucking way that he is from Scotland yeah because it sounds like an American doing a Scottish accent halfway through the movie you learn that he is going to be the actor in the American uh, murder mystery they're making. <laughs> so he's been causing all this tomfoolery during the film. And he's just been like, I've been lying to you. But now that a murder's happened, I'm going to drop character. I'm so sorry. And everyone hates him so much for it. It's very good. That's so funny. Like, you kind of, the minute he appears, you're like, there's something wrong with him. Because yeah. he's wearing like a bowler cap. And like, this movie's okay. set in the, like, the 1930s and stuff. I really grant it's on uh, Disney Plus, I think. Sure. But it's like if you're looking for like a smart movie that's also like very fun, I really recommend Godsford Park. It's a Hell little. Yeah. It's one of those movies as well where I will say a lot of names are thrown at you, so it can be a little bit confusing about the like what the relation is to everybody. But it kind of does work out in the end. Sure. Like it's a fun movie. I don't like when talk when people talk during movies. It's one of those movies that you're if you're home watching it and you're like, so this person's related to this person. That's kind of fun to do it that way. Yeah. If that makes sense. My song of the week is I Am Neon by Julia uh, Jackson because I actually, uh, yeah, Julia Jackman. I've listened to a lot recently. It's a very, it's just kind of a cool, trippy song. I've no podcast to recommend because all I listen to are economics podcasts. Podcast. My one podcast that I have to recommend is Abject Suffering. Mm-hmm. This is a new one. I haven't heard about this. Yeah, uh, it's a podcast that I discovered when I was looking for the Dog's Life soundtrack. <laughs> it's it's a apparently a spin-off of another podcast. I don't know what podcast mm-hmm. it is a spin-off of, but uh, it's 
about half hour episodes. Okay. They just play terrible games and talk about them. That's something they that play we... the game for half an hour. They talk about it for half an hour. Good time. It sounds like a Christmas special we're planning. <laughs> we planned the Christmas special today on the bus back. To uh, we show have up. decided what the Christmas special is going to be. Um, we'll discuss this Christmas schedule in a month's time. We've locked it down. Yeah, when is Christmas time? Christmas will break your heart. <laughs> we're going to play to you that sound song. No, it's an LCD sound system song. It's basically like, I love Christmas, but it breaks your heart yeah. because it's like an important time of the year. And it's never as good as you think it's going to be. Which I'm like, oh no, that hits a special trauma for me. I'll beat that out. (laughs) Sean's been joking about editing so much stuff out of our discussion of The Majestic, the 2001 movie. I'm taking over the podcast again. This is my ship now. The Majestic. I think the first thing we should do in this movie... Talking about this movie, sorry. Let's talk about Jim Carrey in this movie. You love Jim Carrey, I think. I like Jim Carrey a lot. He's a... Very... I feel like this is the end of peak Jim Carrey. Weird. No, I don't think so. No? I think this is in peak Jim Carrey. Yeah. Because I think peak Jim Carrey ends with... uh, Man on the Moon? uh, No, this is after Man on the Moon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because this is after the Grinch, before... Uh, Eternal Sunshine. I think peak Jim Carrey ends with a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. He doesn't like, yeah, he does like Yes Man, The Christmas Carol. Uh, have you seen The Number 23? Is that that movie that's like infinitely terrible? It's like famously terrible. The Number 23 is, I think, fantastic, but not in a good way. Uh, it's about a man who becomes obsessed with the number 23 and starts seeing it everywhere. Oh, it's a Joel Schumacher movie. Yeah. yeah. Like me and Matt Damon. I've told you I have a weird obsession with the number 47, haven't I? What? Have I not told you this? No. Oh, Sean. So, Sean's about to make the laugh at me so much. So, 47 was Mick Schumacher's driver number. I see it about five times a day randomly. <laughs> I'm not joking. I see it on my walk to work because it's spray painted on. Yeah, you need to watch the number twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I'm not joking. The number forty seven like haunts me. Uh, Hannah, you need to watch. This is exactly what the number twenty three is about. Like he just starts seeing this. Yeah, he just starts seeing the number twenty three everywhere. Yeah, no, like fully. The number forty seven haunts me. <laughs> Sean's- I might need to get out of here. Uh, I know how the number twenty three ends. I need to get out of. This podcast, I need to stop. Is the number 47 anywhere in this room? No, we're good. I'm not joking. The number 47 haunts me. (laughs) So, yeah, this is. In 2001, the Majestic comes out. In 2000, How the Grinch Stole Christmas comes out. In 2003, Bruce Almighty came out. Yeah. So, this is really like. I feel like knowing about Jim Carrey's personal life. Yeah. Which, content warning, I guess. He his wife died around now, didn't she? I think she died a little bit later. I think she died just before Eternal Sunshine. Let me Google it because basically Jim Carrey, I think, is now it's now known that like Jim Carrey just kind of didn't want to be Jim Carrey anymore around now because his wife passed away of cancer. No, sorry, she died. She died in two thousand fifteen. What? Damn. 
No, that was his. He married a woman from Tipperary, and she died of a drug overdose in 2015. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew there was some Irish connection, but yeah, I know there's something that happened around this time, or around Man on the Moon. I don't know. I could be wrong. Sean's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm. I'm looking at. I'm. I'm doing investigation. But like, isn't it? The, isn't the thing of like there's something that's come out now where. When he was doing Man on the Moon, that he was just like horrible to work with during the, the on that movie. Yeah, I think he was just mentally ill. Is he just mentally ill? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, like, yeah, like he has nineteen ninety eight to two thousand seven critical acclaim listed on his Wikipedia. Okay. Because basically, after the Truman Show came out, was when he was kind of at the the, the height of his at at the height of his popularity. Um. And then he went into Man of the Moon, basically going full method on it. Yeah, he was playing Andy Kaufman, who's like a comedian, I think. Yeah, have you seen uh, Jim and Andy? No. The documentary? No. Uh, the Jim and Andy documentary is fantastic because it's about, it's interviews with him about his role in the film. Yeah. Uh, and it's fascinating seeing footage of him on the set contrasted with for him 20 With years him. later exactly being yeah. like that's kind of not all what i was up to not even that but just being like yeah no like i did that like that was kind of andy taking over uh don't like that yeah it's jim carrey's a, a guy yeah hey he's eggman he's eggman he's good as eggman but what he, what this movie is sean and i think have different opinions on i think this so. movie the Majestic. i think so as well yeah which is so basically, the plot of the Majestic is now that we're like forty minutes into the record. Yeah, the plot of the Majestic basically is is that Jim Carrey is playing a screenwriter in Hollywood in like nineteen fifty one who like served in the war has come back, and he gets black. He basically gets called in front of like the McCarthy Committee for Anti American Activities, mm. and he's like, "Fuck, my life's over," and he goes for a drive and. In the drive, he like falls off the bridge, gets amnesia, and he washes up in this town where they mistake him for this boy that died during the war. Yeah, Luke. Luke. And I think before we get into kind of talking about the film, I think why I didn't, I liked it less than Sean is waiting for the shoe to drop that he, for him to remember that he's not Luke. I was just dreading it. I was just really like, I knew I would be like it was upsetting, and I just didn't want it to happen. Yeah. That really makes sense. Yeah, no. Where I think you were like, "Yeah, let's go," but I was like, "No, oh. not even that." But like, I like it's what the movie's about. Exactly. Yeah. I just I hate secondhand embarrassment in movies, and I just knew it'd be like very like secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, I love secondhand embarrassment films. That's why you love jackets. Why I love horror films? Really? Yeah. But I would say horror is very secondhand embarrassmenty. I would say most of it is. No, I think it's scary. I, I would say the response to secondhand embarrassment is very similar to the response of horror, like being scared for a character going into a thing. Oh no, I just find it, I find secondhand embarrassment really cringy. Sure. Like I squirm in my seat. Yeah. I, I'm not scared. But I love I love that feeling of squirming in my seat. No, I hate it. Yeah. Like if something if I if I if I in a show I'm like, oh something really cringy is about to happen, I have to pause and I walk out of the room before I can watch the scene. It's it's just something I can't handle. Yeah. 
I did not like this movie as much as Sean because of that. Yeah. I would say. I think so. Yeah. This, the costume design in this movie. Fantastic. Amazing. Uh-huh. So great. It's like set in the 50s. I love the kind of 50s aesthetic. Yeah. I love everyone wearing hats. I love every woman wearing lipstick, which I didn't <laughs> remark on. Which you remarked on, yeah. I think it's crazy. You ha- were expected to like. Yeah. Like we would both have done so badly during the 50s. I would have done great in the 50s. You're not allowed to have like a beard in the 50s. Uh, yeah, I can, I can and regularly do shave it off. You would look so weird with like a beardless now. I'm just, you're in my mind, you always have your beard. Hey, you, Hannah. Yeah? Give me a week. Are you going Heisenberg for the rumble? <laughs> yeah. I'm like no, Heisenberg. I mean. I'm not going Heisenberg for the rumble. I'm going Heisenberg for the last day of school. Oh, in December? No, before Halloween. You need your beard for playing Bob, Silent Bob for the Christmas, the Halloween party. I just need this. Dislike. And Heisenberg has that too. Dislike. <laughs> Basically, this whole movie is like, Jim Carrey's playing this guy called like Paul Appleton. Who's Peter like, Appleton. Peter Appleton, thank you. Who's like, a man in the pictures. He writes pictures. Mm-hmm. The minute we, we watch this movie together, the minute the movie starts, Sean is giggling. Yeah, Sean is hoothering and hollering. Bruce Campbell is in this film. In a very minor part. In a very minor part, but I love Bruce Campbell so much, and he is perfectly cast in this. Yeah, I was I was quite worried actually that uh, Jim Carrey might have been miscast in it because I w- I wasn't entirely like the no. the very the very first scene I was like oh this is great this is fantastic yeah and then after that when we started seeing Jim Carrey kind of interacting with those playing, characters playing a bit more, Luke. Because like, I guess when he has amnesia, he's kind of playing the Luke character. No, it was between the opening scene and him getting amnesia. Okay. That I was like, uh, maybe Jim Carrey is a little bit miscast in this. Because the opening scene is, I really liked. It's, um... I thought it was good too. It's a slow zoom in on Jim Carrey's face, just kind of like staring off into the distance as a bunch of studio executives talk about how to make his film better. I thought they were talking about Lassie for a half second. Because <laughs> they were like, the dog! And I was like, this is Lassie. I hate current, like, doggo culture. And, like, the whole, like, can you pet the dog thing in video games. You're the man now, dog. That's good. That's not about an actual dog. No, no, I just, I just um, wanted to say it. Cause it's I, the, the, this current idea of putting a dog in media and being able to like be nice to it, making that media inherently better, I really dislike. I think it's a very cynical way to make films. And the fact that this film called it out within the first like 30 seconds in 2001, I was like, yeah, I, I'm on board with this. Yeah. The movie is very sentimental. Yes, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I, I would say it's quite nationalist as well. Because but really weirdly, the timing of when this movie came out. So this movie came out late December of 2001. Yeah, so it was fully filmed before For 9-11. 9-11. But like, it feels like a post-9-11. I wouldn't be surprised if they did some reshoots. It's almost like this is our first post-9-11 movie. We did Oceans. Oh, wait, no, we did do Oceans. Never mind. Yeah, we did yeah. Oceans. That came out like two weeks before. This. Like, no, that came out yesterday as far as I'm concerned. But also like Oceans is like, there's so much probably CG in Oceans that was like filmed and cut and ready to go before yeah. the thing happened. Where this like, you can kind of feel the fingerprints on it. It's actually going to be weird. I hadn't thought about that. We're going to see nine like impact of 9-11 yeah. on movies. Yeah. And then it, Oh, weird. Interesting. Yeah, that's part of why we did this. <laughs> I know. But I, I'm eepy. Um, and it's also been five months, Sean. <laughs> so 
something that this movie does that I actually wish they did more of is so basically Paul is Peter. Peter. Pe- I don't know why I call Paul him. is Peter. Paul is Peter. Yeah, Peter. Peter is like my life's great. I'm writing movies. Like this is my first movie credit I've done. This is where the, the Bruce Campbell cameo happens. Mm. And then he gets... Bruce Campbell is perfectly cast as a 50s movie star. Oh, he's perfectly cast. Yes. Fantastic. Um, he... I, we need Bruce Campbell in more things. Yeah. He basically gets blacklisted by, like, the McCarthy trials. Yeah. And I actually think this plotline in the movie where it's, like, a Hollywood screenwriter getting randomly blacklisted, I think is really interesting. Mm. I kind of wish they did more of it because it kind of happens in the first half an hour of the movie. Happens in the last, like, say, 40 minutes of the movie. But because of what the movie is, they can't really fo- go to it much in the middle bit. And I kind of yeah. wish they could... It's just like the, the plot they wrote. They they can't really go yeah. back to it. They kind of reference it a bit, but I'm like, oh, I think that's so... Like, that's the whole thing about like Oppenheimer. I like Oppenheimer's half about that. It's actually very... like There's not much media about like the whole McCarthyism mm. stuff. That I think is cool. I wish there was more of it. <laughs> Shout out to the monkey, though. Oh, shout out the monkey. So uh, he goes for a drive and there's a big storm and he drives off bridge. But he's also blasted. Yeah. And uh, this is like little, he gets kicked out of his studio because like there's kind of this ongoing thing in the movie where they're talking about like contract negotiation. Yeah. Because basically he like gets fucked up, like gets kicked out of the studio. His girlfriend breaks up with him. His life's over. He's getting like subpoenaed to go in front of this committee. Hmm. And he goes for a drive and there's this big storm. And, and he, my favorite character in the film shows up. After the storm? The possum. The possum is so cute. <laughs> the most adorable possum in the world like runs out on the road and he swerves to to miss it and he drives off bridge. Sean's like, how's the little guy? And I was like, the guy's yeah. fine. Jim Carrey is fucking shot. Um, but yeah, he like gets off the bridge and his car crashes and all this and he hits his head on like the support column of the bridge. Yeah. And then he wakes up and I was trying to, I was basically like, because I do not know that much about Frank Frank Darabont as a Darabont, how you say Frank Darabont. Yeah, yeah, and we he, should have talked about Frank Darabont a little bit. Yeah, you talk about Frank. Don't yeah, uh, Frank Darabont is a very interesting director. Uh, he's done the first season of The Walking Dead. He's done The Shawshank Redemption. He's done The Green uh, Mile, The Mist. The Mist. Yeah. You love The Mist, don't you? I, I love The Mist so much. Yeah. I, love, I also love the first season of The Walking Dead. Yeah, Frank Darabont's a cool guy. I was. Supposed- I, I don't know if he's a cool guy. He's a good director. Yeah, I know nothing about him personally. Yeah. Knowing he did, like, The Mist and The Green Mile, I was expecting something fucked up to happen, like, a twist in this movie. Like, weirdly, I can see, like, even visually, the the influence from this movie on The Mist and The Walking Dead. Because, like, the first season of The Walking Dead is meant to be incredible. It's right? great. Yeah. yeah. And the the reason that he left was because... Um, they, like, courted his budget, right? They, they halved his budget and doubled his episode count. Yeah. And he was just like, no, I'm out. Yeah. He hasn't done any real directing after The Mist, I don't think, and The Walking Dead. He has one thing in 2013. Yeah, but he's um, kind of... Oh, God, I'm sure he's, he's probably doing, like, other stuff. Like, you were saying he does a lot of, kind of, screenwriting. Yeah, he, yeah. he does a lot of, like, ghostwriting for people. Like, he's listed as... Let me get him up real quick. Is uh, Godzilla 2016. Oh. He was a ghostwriter on. Well, once he basically the amnesia kicks in, I'm just like, when is the shoe going to drop? Yeah. When is something fucked up going to happen? Once the amnesia kicks in, I would say, mm-hmm. like, it is kind of, the the majority of the movie is basically like, they they find Jim Carrey on the beach, this like old man who's like the old man with the, the, 
baby birds in Shawshank. I don't remember his yeah. the actor's his name. Big bushy eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. And he and they're basically like, oh, you're Luke. You're just like mythical son from this town of Lawson, where it's basically this town that like it's a very small town. I think they say like it's a town of like like two thousand like, two thousand people something or something like that. Yeah. That like seventy. 70 people died from during the war. Yeah. Like, like 70 young men went off to the war and died. Like they're all like the same graduating class in yeah. their high school and they all just went off and died. And the one person that didn't was this guy called Luke who was kind of like the quarterback like the real all-American boy. It's, it's not even that he's the one who didn't it's he was never found. Yeah. He got like the medal of honor for doing this like really brave thing. Yeah. Um, Like he was a parachuter in like Normandy and all the... this. Where have I heard that one before? You are going to lose your shit when I tell you something later. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and he just, like, a month after Normandy, after he kind of does his, like, Medal of Honor mm. thing, he goes missing in action. Yeah. And basically the whole... Like, it's actually... I, I do like this, like, 15 minutes of the movie where the whole town is, like... Luke. Yeah. This one made me sad watching... I said it to you when we were watching it. It made me sad that I was like... I'm so sad you know he's not Luke. Sure. Because I think it would be so interesting if you you got to be excited like you're if you're the town, you know. I think it's more interesting that you know it's not him. Yeah. And I, like I like the I like that tension of you know that this guy isn't Luke, but nobody else in the movie does. Yeah. Like he doesn't know the town believe that he is Luke, but there's cracks that are showing up throughout it that and are like, like people are like you're not you're not him like you're just something's wrong you know yeah and like that's what a lot of the movie kind of is it's that tension and you're waiting for that shit exactly to drop. yeah um, and i like that i like that building tension throughout the film i maybe if i was in a different headspace i would like it more sure but i was just like oh i'm gonna be really sad yeah when you when everyone knows and when he finds out because because he has amnesia as well. Yeah, it's also the thing that um, Harry says like, yeah. on his deathbed, where he's like, in the movies, you know the good guy wins, but you're yeah. on edge anyway. Yeah. And it's like, this movie is the opposite of that kind of classic movie idea where you know the good guy wins, where it's like, you know he's going to get caught by the end of the film. Yeah. But you want to believe that he isn't going to be anyway. Yeah. I don't I just don't I don't like the, the mistaken identity trope I don't sure. think I don't know I just I was just like I think this was an interesting twist on I think it where he inter- also doesn't know I think it's an interesting twist in it but I was just like I think it's because the town and they actually make a big point where you know when they introduce kind of the town of Lawson, and the, how they introduce this they show you like all the windows of this of like they show you the photos of the soldiers that have died and yeah. like there's all these kind of callbacks to like how the town has lost all these sons. Mm. And then you're like, but we have Luke back. And I'm like, oh, but it's not Luke. And that just like, anytime it happened, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, and not for fuck's sake in like, at the movie being like, oh, I'm annoyed at the movie for doing this. But mm. more in like a, oh, I'm, I'm grieving for the town because this, they're going to lose this happiness and it's going to be almost worse because it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. That makes, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it does. Yeah. 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 That's also the exact reason why I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like a difference of taste. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that kind of moral quandary. Yeah. It just made me sad. Yeah. Sometimes I like happy movies. What can I say? <laughs> Not everything needs to be twisted. Um, Not everything has to be happy and fun all the time as well. 
I like my twisted stuff when I'm in. Yeah, but yeah. like someone who also feels very conflicted about Peter and the Luke situation is a. Uh, Luke's fucking fiance, um, <laughs> Laurie Holden, also from The Walking Dead, one of the one of the actors who uh, Frank Darabont just has in all of his shit. Yeah, uh, she's great. She's fantastic. She's very good in it. Yeah, and she's she's kind of the first person in the town to be like, "You're not Luke." Yeah, but maybe you are, and they do. They are very. <laughs> I think the first person to be like, "You're not Luke," is the Bob. is Bob. Yeah. yeah, but she's the first person to like say it to him. Yeah, definitely. Say. Yeah. I think about this movie. This movie's really long, like yeah. two and a half hours. I'll be honest. I think I, I'm. I'm happy with it being two and a half hours. I'm. I'm okay with it being two and a half hours. The the chunk at the the last half an hour mm-hmm. when he goes back to when he knows he's Peter. Yeah. I'm like. I think you could have saved a little bit of time there. Like I think there's a way. If it's an hour twenty versus an hour and a half, you know. But I just like it's splitting hairs at yeah. that stage. Yeah. You know. I don't. Yeah. Fully. If I wasn't under time pressure today to get home and get a bus, I'd be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> other movies we've done to, in this podcast that have wasted my time yeah. before. Yeah, um, yeah, Like, there's a, the middle chunk of this movie, there's not much plot, I would say. The important bits, I think, are... Uh, the, the Majestic. The Majestic. Kimitari, who is Luke, Luke's- the guy who everybody thinks he is his father. Yeah. Who runs the Majestic, the like local theatre. That's like been closed down ever since the war happened. Yeah, because people in the town just were so low-spirited they didn't want to go see movies. Yeah. Uh, and like Harry, and Luke coming back is kind of, Harry is like, my life can begin again. Yeah. So there's a lot in it where it's like small town like humour and stuff. And like, there's just so much. I really like the town of Lawson. Yeah, me too. I think it feels like yeah. a really, like a um, real American little town. Yeah. My favourite character in the movie is Emmett, who is... The old usher of the city. Yeah, of the theater. Of the, yeah, of the who theater. like lives in the basement and has been living there for a while. I think I I really liked him. Yeah, but he he's known Luke all his life, so he can yeah kind of, exactly. He he has a real like fatherly relationship with like Jim Carrey's character. Yeah, I think it does verge on the. Uh, the Bagger Vance, Vance. Uh, yeah. magical person of color <laughs> trope. Um, like, he's the only prominent black character. He's the only black character yeah. in it. Yeah. And he's a dog for some reason. Yeah, I like the dog. Oh, the dog's cute. But, like, yeah. yeah. But, like, there's no, like, people of South American origin in this film. And it's yeah. California. There definitely would be. Yeah. You know. It's, it's 2001. This kind of section in the middle is, like, Jim Carrey, Luke, and Adele is her name. Laurie. Laurie Holden. Laurie Holden. Like, kind of falling in love and, like... She's showing him around all the places that they used to go to. Yeah, and kind of teaching him who Luke was as a person. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, I don't know, it just got to me. It just made, I was like, oh, this is really... Oh. But we also meet Bob there. Bob is basically one of the boys... Bob who, is the only boy who has survived World War Two and come home. And he was uh, enlisted at the same time as Luke was. Yeah, and he knew Luke. Yeah. And he's like, you're not fucking Luke. He knows. He knows. <laughs> Which, like, if, any, if everybody to be like, you're not Luke, it being Bob, I think is very well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, the thing is, like, it's been, it's 51 the movie set. So, like, they're like, we haven't seen you in 10 years. Yeah. Luke is missing. What did he have in 42? Uh, 44, right? I thought it was 40. I, it could be 44. I thought no, it was, it was, like, right at the end of the war. Yeah. No, I think it's like 43, 42. I should know this. 
I watch Band. I watched a lot of Band of Brothers. I've told you about Band of Brothers Day, haven't I? No, I don't think you have. I watched all of Band of Brothers in one sitting. When I say one sitting, I did not leave the the living room until I fit like except to pee and make a meal. Sixth <laughs> uh, of June, nineteen forty-four. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But like, so yeah, this is fifty-one. Like they've they have enlisted and like <laughs> they did three years of war and then Luke disappears. So of course Bob was like, "You ain't Luke." Yeah, because he has like that extra like three years of like seeing him get older yeah it's just like one of my favorite parts of the film is they have a big like welcome home luke party i really like the party yeah i, I thought like the, the party, party was well. cool yeah because he like is invited for the first dance with uh adele adele yeah and they dance whatever and then everyone else and uh this this woman who knew luke back in the day and taught him how to play piano yeah calls him up to the stage like play something for us I don't I don't remember and he's like and and she's like no nah, music is in the soul yeah because like I think once, when amnesia like people do yeah they do yeah because yeah. you're like piano is like muscle memory it's yeah, not yeah yeah uh, like a lot of people with amnesia who could play an instrument remember how to play the instrument that's mad I know right yeah because it's, it's muscle memory oh, yeah. it's just kind of ingrained in there but she sits him down at the at the piano and starts playing like mm. a classical song and she's like just follow along and he can't do it and then she kind of gets up and leaves and he's left at the piano on his own starts playing this like um ragtime like blues song yeah and she's like what are you doing and everyone's like <laughs> fuck yeah yeah, every, yeah everyone's fucking vibing to it and yeah she's like what are you doing this is this is terrible music. Uh, Bob knows stop. something is up Bob knows-, Bob knows something is up um Adele knows something is up and she's like, who taught you how to play this? And Emmett and knows Emmett, something. Emmett, Emmett knows something is up as well. But he's like, I taught him how to play this when you weren't looking. Yeah. Yeah. But then like, I think the next like, say 40 minutes of the movie are them opening the Majestic Theatre. And like, this yeah. I like. I like I like a good, like, we're opening a thing. It's almost like, well, why well, I'm going to like, we bought a zoo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they will buy a zoo. Oh, Can I confirm? That we may have a guest for We Bought a Zoo. Stop inviting people on the podcast before we can confirm. It's Molly. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, who's seen maybe seven movies in her entire life. Yeah. <laughs> and who did the art for this podcast. Yeah, we love the art, Molly. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Molly. Thank you. Kisses, kisses. Yeah. We're looking forward to your party this week. Yeah. <laughs> Is it this week? Yeah. Yeah. This week when we're, this episode's coming out. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time's weird. Uh. <laughs> God, we're EP. Oh, it's fucking 11 o'clock at night. Um, movie's happening. Movie's happening. I think... Listen, I think we can kind of speed through the middle section of the movie. And I'm not just saying that it's, because it's 11 it's, o'clock at night. It's mostly heartwarming scenes of Jim Carrey getting to know the people in the town. And Hannah's biting their nails and yeah. wringing her hands. But I think, like, you see the Majestic open and it's really nice. You mm-hmm. see... there's a, I think a scene I really like is Bob confronts Luke, Jim and Carrey and is like... Listen, I know you're not him. Yeah. And I know you don't know you're not him. This town can't take this. Yeah. And Jim Carrey is just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, Emmett also... No, it's after he finds out that Emmett talks to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. But kind of, the movie goes on and it's... They open the cinema and you are kind of seeing these flashes of the FBI is looking for him. Because he like... Because they're, they're convinced that he is a communist. A communist. Yeah. And, and they need a scapegoat to 
Yeah, because yeah. it's McCarthyism. Uh-huh. There's kind of every, like, about, I say, 25 minutes, there's, mm-hmm. like, a scene with the FBI. Yeah. So, like, the first scene is them being, the G-men kind of being, like, find this man. And then, like, 25 minutes later, it's them, like, finding his car washed up on the beach. Yeah. So they're, like, oh, he's probably in this, like, town. And it, it all kind of culminates where there's a night where it's, like, the Majestic is opened. He's kind of, like, he's set... He's kind of made peace with Bob because he has, like, set Bob up with another woman in the town who, like, mm. runs the diner they all go to. So him and Bob are kind of, like, at a peace. He started calling Harry. He's, like, the man who's, like, Luke's father. He started calling him dad. Him and Adele are really solid. Yeah. And then you see on the movie theater this movie, which is the movie he helped co-write. The one starring Bruce Campbell. And um, your, your heart just drops. Yeah. You know, you know as the audience, this is how he's going to figure it out. And yeah, because how... he made a point at the beginning of the film to be like, I love seeing my name on the poster. Yeah. And, and it's when the poster goes up that he's like, oh shit. And he, that's when he figures it out. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, I was like, I thought a twist of the movie could be that like, he's always known this is going to be like... He's always gonna like he, he gets his memory back earlier, but no, he gets his mo- memory back in the movie theater, and he's like, "Crap!" Yeah. Oh no! And this is when Sean's curse kicks in. Because <laughs> I said uh, we this is another one that we watched together. Yeah. I said about twenty minutes after Harry was introduced, like this man's gonna die, and he dies, and he uh... dies, he dies uh, during the screening of the film. He has a heart attack, and he misses. Uh, changing, like the reel. changing the reels and that's when everybody realizes that something's wrong um, and then he kind of goes home and he has like one last conversation with Jim Carrey yeah Peter I guess we can call him Peter now because he knows he's Peter because yeah oh, I, I actually really liked this part I think it's like I think it was very sweet I think it was yeah. very well done Peter knows at this point that he isn't Luke but he pretends to be he almost tells Harry like right on his deathbed but he pretends to still be Luke just to comfort him as he's dying because he kind of makes a point to being like I'm so happy you're alive son yeah and, and he's like I'm not and Harry's you're not what and you can see the gears turning in his brain as he realizes it's better to let him believe which is what you should do yeah. something I, I really like is like there's a point in the movie where you see him go from calling him Harry to calling him dad yeah. And after he realizes, he goes back he to goes calling back to Harry. Harry. And I'm like, yeah. kills me. Harry dies, and it's very tragic. And then... <laughs> and then the FBI show up. No, and... but then, the, then there's the funeral where the FBI are like, that's him, we've got him. Yeah. Um, And he tells Adele. And the scene he tells Adele is Yeah, he tells Adele. Adele. Oh, awful. It's so heartbreaking. It's awful. Not awful in like a, it's badly done. It's awful because you're just so upset for her and for him. Yeah. Because he is like... I'm really sorry. I didn't know. Yeah. And she's and just th- like, I should have the- trusted myself. I knew. Yeah. Th- but I let thing. myself I think- fall in love with you. Yeah. I, 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 I like this version of the mistaken identity plot a lot because he also doesn't know. Yeah. Like he, like he isn't at fault. But no. it's entirely understandable that everybody else would think that he is. Yeah. You know? It's just like, it's just like, I was like, oh, I don't, I, it makes me sad. Yeah. They're a very good chemistry, I think, as a couple because they're yeah, both very good actors. Yeah. Like you, you, you really wish he is Luke. Yeah. Like I think that's something the movie does really well. Is you're watching it and you're like, I really wish he. I, you were kind of hoping he never gets his memory back. Where you yeah. Like you do kind of had. This... I, I was hoping that there would be some kind of wild twist where he actually was. Luke. I would had that hope too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he finds out he's Luke. 
he's not Luke sorry the FBI come and they're basically like you need to go do a Mac- you need to go do the ending of Oppenheimer right now yeah you need um, to go to trial you need to go to trial he has a conversation with Adele and Adele <laughs> is like just be honest and he's like I can't fucking do that it's yeah. McCarthyism <laughs> and what does what does Adele do Adele gives a present that Luke gave her before he went off to war uh-huh. it was a, a copy of the US Constitution yeah and, and in, it, in it is a letter. And who narrates the letter? We get, like, he, he's, like, Jim Carrey opens it up, kind of looks through it, and a little letter falls out. He whoops it up. And it's and like a VI, starts, it's like a GI letter. Yeah. And he starts reading it. And um, it cuts to a shot of, like, the trenches. Um, and a slow zoom past all of the boys to, to somebody writing a letter. And somebody is reading out the letter. It's fucking Matthew Page David. M-P-D. Um. <laughs> and like, I knew that he only had a voice role in this film before it started. And I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to tell, who, like, his voice. I was I pointing it. at the screen being like, it's time for him, sure. Yeah, but also once I heard the voice, I was like, oh yeah, no, that's him. That's Matt. The fact he's like a fucking ear... He's playing Private... Like, he's not playing Private Ryan, but he's playing, like, one of the Ryan brothers. It's bizarre. Like, yeah, it's no, weird. Like, yeah, like, his his character's whole thing... Or his character... Like, Luke's whole thing is that he was, like, one of the Airborne Division who got... Dropped uh, in dropped, Normandy. Dropped behind enemy lines in Normandy. Um, and, like... They make a point It's like, three days into the war, he did this amazing thing. Or, like, his unit was, like buried down behind auxiliary fire and he like rescued them one by one and I yeah. turned to Sean and I was like this is the plot of saving Private Ryan like, this, I was no like, it's not it's a, but like Private Ryan didn't do that Private Ryan didn't do that but like it is an airborne story of like yeah. the same time they're doing the like if like if, if saving Private Ryan happened in our world the story of like Luke would be in like the same like there would be a movie about Luke yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Now, now made probably made by like yeah. We would be it, it would be saving Private Luke, or like the Trimble Rescue or something like that. It'd be like something <laughs> the like, Trimble Rescue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like it'd be something like a Bridge Too Far or like Enemies at the Gate, where it's this like big heroic scene and then it ends with like <laughs> so, so the Trimble Rescue is a fucking amazing movie name. You. Maybe I should be a screenwriter. <laughs> you and I can... should be, yeah. <laughs> Get Bruce Campbell in your movies. Yeah. But you would, there would definitely be like something like Enemies at the Gate or like A Bridge Too Far. Yeah, about Where there's this. like a 1950s yeah. movie or 40s, 60s movie about like Luke as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the point I was making. Yeah, he, <laughs> Matt Damon, that's Matt Damon scene in this movie. That's the reason we watched this movie. And yeah. then we get Jim Carrey Oppenheimer scene. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey Oppenheimer. <laughs> Where he is, I'm sorry if I'm speeding through this, but genuinely this movie I does not have become happen. death destroyer worlds. <laughs> when is Brendan Fraser showing up? Is all I'm saying. Um, but he he basically goes in front of the committee of anti-American activities, and yeah. he's meant to read out this statement where he basically names he other named... members of like other people he knows to be known communists, but it's specifically people who have already been named. Yeah. Uh, so like his lawyer is like, look. Just stand up, say you won't do it again, give these names. We know these names have already been given up, so it's not an issue, and then you'll be off scot-free. I said this earlier, but it's like, I do find the whole, like, Commission of Anti-American activity stuff so interesting. Yeah. I kind of wish the movie could spend 
more time on it. It just kind of can't because it's not what the movie is. Yeah, it's not what the... It, like, it, it, the film is caught between two things. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole bit, like, it's basically, like, the reason he's being accused of being communist is he went to a communist party meeting when he, he was in He went college. to a book club meeting when he was in college that was later discovered to be a communist meeting because... He liked a girl. Because a girl he liked was going to it and he wanted to impress her. Yeah. And then, like, there's a big scene where he's, like, getting interrogated by, like, McCarthy. By not McCarthy. Right, but it's McCarthy. It's definitely McCarthy, yeah. Yeah, and, like... It's it's not McCarthy in the same way that Brian Cox is uh, not Rupert Murdoch. Did I tell you, do you know where Rupert Murdoch is gone? He's out. He's gone? Yeah. And fucking Kendall won? His worst son won. His eldest boy won. So much worse than him. Lachlan? Yeah. Fuck Lachlan. Yeah, no, Lachlan is terrible. Yeah. One of the guys in work is called Lachlan, and that's all I can think of. That Lachlan is also terrible. Lachlan's actually very nice. Sure. (laughs) He actually is really nice. When I was on my work trip, he saw me, and he was like, I know you're from... He like saw me on a train station platform because I was going into like a big city by myself, and he was like, "I recognize you from work. Me and my friends are going for a drink. Would you like to come?" Oh, and like cool. brought me around the city for the night. Nice. And he was like, "What oh, is my girlfriend? She's really nice." And I was like, "Have fun." And it wasn't like in a flirting way. He was just like, "I know you're new, and I want to make sure you have like a nice time." Nice. And I was like, oh. "And now he's in charge of Murdoch Industries." So yeah, and now fuck it's called <laughs> News Corp. News Corp. That's yeah. such an evil that name. That is really an evil. It's that's so... like a cyberpunk villain name. It's E Corp from yeah. fucking Mr. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The anti-American activities scene happens. Peter kind of makes this like decision where he he kind of earlier in the movie when he's having a conversation with Adele, he's like, "I'm not as good as Luke because I was happy not to make a sacrifice." Yeah. And he makes this very kind of public speech where he's like, "This whole con- this whole thing is." fucking rank and bullshit mm. and it's very much he's kind of making himself a martyr for the cause yeah and then he like his whole thing is he's like uh the only reason that i was at this was to impress this girl um if you'll go if you'll go to like the next line down in the attendance thing you'll see her name like if y'all have never attempted to impress a girl then that's your problem i think yeah and they're kind of they're just very much like you're making a mockery of this whole thing and yeah. he's like good and yeah, um, he's like, you've made a mockery of this whole thing. By the First Amendment, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I did turn to Sean and be like, funny how they... Oh, how did I forget to put that in? Yeah, the first time around. How did they have to put that in? Yeah. Um, and it's like this big hoorah kind of scene, yeah. I would say. And then something the movie did I didn't like. Uh-huh. I will criticize it. They're basically driving away from the con- the hearing. And his lawyer turns to him and he goes, turns out this was all bullshit. Because... Yeah. She named you on six months ago. And I'm just like, have you told me the main, like, criteria, like, the main conflict of the movie is, like, kind of disregarded? That's not the main conflict of the movie. I know it's not the main conflict of the movie, but, like, the... I feel like him doing his little speech and being, like, it could be an open-ended being, like, maybe McCarthy's gonna come back, or maybe the American, like, institution, whatever, the Anti-American Activities Committee is gonna come from again, maybe not. I just don't think you need to do the, like, and she was the one that named you, this woman that, like, we don't know her name, the girl he was trying to impress. I don't know, I thought it was just kind of, like... No, I think, I think the point of that scene was that, like, it didn't actually matter what he did at that point, is that, like... 
Why did he make a point that he was about to, they said you were going to perjure yourself for something? Or he did perjure himself? I don't know. No, he, they were going to hold him in contempt of court. But they made which a point is a different about, thing from... They were they, they made a point that he was going to commit perjury and they were going to get him doing but perjury. The, but he got the rest of the room on his side, which is why they didn't stop him. Uh, yeah. And the, the, like, the only reason that he basically got away with it in the end was that he got the rest of the room on his side, it was publicly televised, and he gave them like a tiny, tiny little tidbit that they could have been like, okay, this guy actually gave us what we wanted. But which I, is I, that he I, gave I, them her name and confirmed that she was at the meeting. But I also think another thing was... Okay, that's the point the lawyer made. Maybe I misunderstood what this what was happening was. Sure. He was going to read out a bunch of other names. Yeah. But I think what the lawyer was saying was like, we didn't realize this where she named you six months ago and they know you're not a communist, but they wanted you to perjure yourself by saying, I'm a communist. I know all these other people are communists. I, I don't, I could be wrong. I, I, I thought that the reason, I thought that the whole point of it was that they wanted him to give up the names because that would get him off. He made After, a mockery of the whole thing instead. Yeah, he, yeah. Made a mockery, he made a mockery of the whole thing, but he gave up a name. Yeah, which is hers. Um, which is hers because it's the only person that he knew who actually went to the meeting. Yeah. And it turned out that she was the one who actually gave him up and the lawyer brought that up at the end basically to assage his guilt oh. and be like... You're good. Yeah. And also true that she also in the studio system and it's like, ah, communism. Yeah. And it's also that she had already been named. Yeah. And then I said this at the time where there's basically the scene of the, you get the kind of a, a recreation of the first scene of the movie, which is them talking about, the, another reason he gets kind of brought, the reason you are told at the start of the movie why he gets brought up to the committee is he's writing this movie about like a coal miner's strike. Yeah. Um, it's called Ashes to Ashes. And the scene to start is Tim writing the movie, and you see a scene at the end where it's them like doing more screen, like writing revisions. Yeah, the the first scene of the film is there is like the executives this making the- changes to the script and just a zoom in on his face, and then there's another scene later on that's the same thing. Mm. But then he kind of goes, "This is bullshit." Yeah. During the second time, and there's a he kind of goes, "This is bullshit." He stands up, and I was like. I feel like if you've ended here, it's a really strong ending. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think they that. should end it there. I, when when you said it, I was like, we'll see where it's going. Yeah. But I, I agree that probably that would have been a stronger ending than the, the happy ending that we got. And the happy ending is he goes back to the town. The town accepts him. Him yeah. and Adele get together. They have a rake of They kids. get married and have kids. Yeah. yeah. But I just think of like having an open question of he goes back to the cinema. He goes back to the Majestic. Yeah. You know. I, I just think it's like it's such a good point to be like he's gone for this kind of transformative experience and he's like you know being compared to this like hero who like sacrificed his life for the country and it's kind of made him stand up to like McCarthyism and it's and it ends with him kind of willing to accept not willing to accept people like changing his heart I think it's like a very strong ending yeah and the ending we get is not it's just kind of not that yeah um yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm sorry that was a quick summation of the movie. Um, <laughs> We're under time pressure. We're under time pressure. I have currently 25 minutes to leave to get home. So we're going to... Also, like... Do you know what's so funny? What? I remember when we were doing the, like, Rising Sundays. Before yeah. we were used to doing the podcast and we could, like, talk about the movies really critically. Because it's hard yeah. talking about a movie critically. 
we'd be like, we did an hour and 40 minutes. That's an episode. And we're like, we're sorry, guys. It's only going to be a two-hour episode this week. (laughs) I think we're going to start off with the box office. Hell yeah. This movie did not do great. I would imagine. What do you, how do you think it did? Uh, what was the budget? 72 million. Uh, Very expensive movie, by the way. That's expensive. It's the costumes. Anything that's set in the past is expensive. Uh, 80 million. So 27 domestic. <sighs> okay. It made 9 million international. So it made 50, I think it made like 37 million. Like this was a bomb. Okay. Which I don't think it's bomb levels of bad. The, I think the length would have contributed to it because at that time, like two hour movies were not a not a good investment in, no. this, in the box office. Yeah. But other movies in the tops. Does Lord last... of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is in its second week. Uh-huh. And it was number three the week before. It's gone to number one and it's made... Fuck yeah. Made 90 million this weekend. Nice. What do you think is number two? <sighs> uh, give me a hint. Matting. Oceans? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> number three. I said as reference, I... I'm not going to do all of them, uh-huh. um, but number three is just, it's a movie that's a joke. Uh, a joke Connor made at the last Rumble. Uh, what? Do you want me to just tell you? Give me give me a hint. Main actor. Nickelodeon movie. Oh, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the rest of the box office is Vanilla Sky, sure. Ali with Will Smith, with Will Smith yeah. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stones, How High, The Majestic Open, number eight to ten mil, Not Another Teen Movie, Monsters, Inc., Joe Somebody, Kate and Lopez, A Beautiful Mind, Behind Emily Lines, The Royal Tenenbaums, Amelie, Spy oh, Royal Games. Royal Tenenbaums is good. Love Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. yeah, this is a big, this is a big weekend. God's for Park opened this weekend. The movie I was talking about earlier. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. opened bad. Like, it opened on number oh. 30. But, like, it's a, it's a period drama in America. Like, sure, it's yeah. It's gonna do that. Yeah. How many screens did it open on? It doesn't even say, but, like, I say, like, one screen, because that's how stuff works in... Mulholland Drives up in the box office, Monsters Ball. Yeah, last Moulin Rouge is still in the box office for and it's 32, 32nd week. Um, before we do the rankings, I want to tell you a really interesting fact about this movie. Uh-huh. It's the cat it's the Matt Damon trivia of this movie. Sure. And it's why Matt Damon's in this movie. The first choice of the lead role for this movie was Matt Damon. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think the movie would be because that's actually a thing I did think. I think Jim Carrey is a little old to play Luke. Maybe, yeah. If Luke's went to, if it's nine years after the war and Luke has just like graduated high school, Luke is max thirty-two at the start of the, like in the movie. I mean, yeah, Jim Carrey. I think it's forty when this movie's being filmed. I think he, I think it works. I think Matt Damon would be better. Sure. I think he's just a little bit more all-American boy than Jim Carrey. Okay. Because Jim Carrey, I think, brings yeah, Jim Carrey is quite lanky. He's very like. But the reason. Do you know why he had to turn it down? Why? He was filming the Born Identity, a movie where he has amnesia. Wow! <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's really good. Yeah. Um, that's the that's our Matt Damon trivia. Nice. Um, I thought that was a good trivia. Yeah, that's a good trivia. That's a good trivia. <sighs> this is movie number twenty-two, right? Twenty-one. This is episode twenty-one, movie twenty-two, because Good Old Boys is in there. Jesus fucking Christ! Which means I have almost a full ranking done, but I'm. I've two Have you been movies. doing your rankings when we've been doing the pod? I've been doing my rankings since we stopped talking about the movie. Uh, Sean, you bastard! Yeah. Uh, That's so unfair! Hey, look, sometimes we cheat. I still don't have it. I still... I am missing a movie, and I don't know what it is. 
I'm going to take my 30 seconds. You explain the rankings when I do this bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so every episode, we uh, have a look back at all of the Matt Damon films we've watched and we rank them from worst to best. Uh, we generally don't look at our... No, we don't look at our uh, previous week's ranking. We have a little bit of time beforehand to write down our ranking because at this point we just have so many films that it's infeasible to do it without like writing it down beforehand. We've got 22 films to rank. And we're going to take 30 seconds now. Hey Siri, set a 30 second timer. 30 second okay percent timer counting down. Okay, we're gone. We're done. We're done. We're done. Okay. It's time to duel. Will I start? Go ahead. Oh, I've got so I've gotten my like bottom eight done, and I've uh-huh. gotten like number nine to eleven done, and then everything else is like soup. Number twenty two, twenty two. I know, right? Jesus. Number twenty two is the good old boys for both of us because yeah. we haven't watched the movie. If Correct. you can find a copy of it, please send it to us. My number twenty one is Jay and Son and Bob Strike Back. My number twenty one is All the Pretty Horses. My number twenty is Titan AE. Uh, my number 20 is Rising Sun. My number 19 is All the Pretty Horses. Uh, my number 19 is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. My number 18 is The Legend of Bagger Vance. My number 18 is Field of Dreams. My number 17 is Field of Dreams. Uh, my number 17 is Geronimo, an American legend. My number 16 is Rising Sun. My number 16 is Finding Forrester. My number 18 is Chasing Amy. My number 15 is the one spot that I am missing on this list. Do you want to take some time to think about it? I'll hang on. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take a minute or two. I think it's... Uh, s- number 15 is School Ties. Number 15 is School Ties. My number 15 is Chasing Amy. My number 14 is Chasing Amy. Oh, my number 14 is Rounders. My number 13 is The Majestic. My number 13 is Geronimo. Damn, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. My uh, number 12 is Majestic. My number 12 is The Rainmaker. My number, yeah. I think The Majestic is, let's talk about The Majestic a little. Let's yeah. give our kind of final summary. It's all right. It's, I, I like it. We call this, I enjoyed it. if you have not listened to the podcast before, this is a weird episode to listen to. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. Um, we like to call this kind of section, The Soup. Yeah. Because it's basically the movies where. The, the Majestic for me is at the top of The Soup. It's the cream of the crop. So the majestic, the majestic is like the third in the soup for me. Sure. Um, because it's basically like the soup is basically the three star movies. I would say. Yeah. Where it's like they're not good, they're not bad. If someone was like, "I've not seen this before," I'd be like, "I'll watch it again." I probably will be on my phone during it. Yeah. But I'm not going to say no mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's the soup. Yeah. Because it's like vegetable soup. They're like there's chunks in it. What's your number eleven, friend? My number eleven is the majestic. My number... Wait, you already said The Majestic. You said the 13... Number 13 was The Majestic. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I fucked this up. Oh, no, I, I am missing a movie. Wait, no, shit. Oh, Fran, I'm so sorry. Ah. Uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I'm I'm, I'm happy with, with Rainmaker being number 12, Majestic being number 11. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to number 13 and figure out what it is. Number 11 for me is School Ties. Number 10 is Titan AE. Number 10 is Finding Forrester. That's what you're forgetting. No, number 16 is Finding Forrester. What's your number 9, friend? My number 9 is Mystic Pizza. Number 9 is Mystic Pizza. Shout out to Julia. Yeah. Number 8 is Courage Under Fire. What's my number 8? My number 8 is Dogma. Number 7 is Goodwill Hunting. Number 7 for me is Glory Days. Number 6 is Mr. Ripley. 
Mr. Six for me is... Mr. Six. <laughs> Mr. Six. Courage Under Fire. Uh, number five is Rounders. Number five for me is Courage Under Fire. Number four is Dogma. Number four is Good William Hunting. Number three is Oceans. Number three is Rickley. Number two is Glory Days. Number two is Oceans Eleven. Uh, number one is Private Ryan. Number one is Private what Ryan. What the fuck movie am I missing? What are you here? missing? Um, you look at my list or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see your look list. Look at your list. I will quickly do the promotion for this podcast before I tell you about next week's movie, a.k.a. one of my darling older brother's favourite movies, a movie that constantly makes him cry. Our third return to the well of Gus Van Sam, Jerry. 2002, Jerry, what a movie are you missing? Can I look really quickly? Yeah. You get open out the letterbox and get the stuff for Jerry going online. Sure. Um, I, I accidentally read a little bit too much about Jerry. Uh, uh, is it going to make us wicked depressed talking about it? Uh, maybe. It's yeah. based on a true story. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, um, Jerry movie. Where's all the pretty horses on this? Is all the pretty horses not on there? I don't see it. It's, you're missing all the pretty horses. Yeah, no, 21 is pretty horses. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, pretty horses, Rising Sun, Jane, Tan and Bob. This happened to me a few weeks ago. I can't judge. Yeah. Bagger Vance. Do you have Bagger Vance? It's Bagger, Va- Bagger Vance is missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Bagger Vance is way down there. Uh, Bagger Vance. Yeah. Is- Do you want to... Bagger Vance is number 18 and shift everything else up one. Yeah. Jerry. Jerry, baby. That's all that's gone through my head anytime I've heard Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, starring uh, Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. That's it. That's it. That's it. Byline. The desert can be a silent world. Two friends named Jerry become lost in the desert after taking a wrong turn. Their attempts to find their way home only lead them into further trouble. I don't know anything about Jerry, except that it's about the two boys yeah. walking through the desert and that it calls my brother like an MNTB. I I know what Jerry is based on and judging by that, I think I know how Jerry ends. Yeah, I will make John tell me his thoughts on Jerry so I can read them out on the next podcast. Get I'll make- him to email us. At SineWavePod at gmail.com. That's SineWavePod at gmail.com. Or contact us at SineWavePod on Twitter slash X, uh, Instagram, SineWave36 on, on TikTok. TikTok. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with all your friends. Yeah. Uh, we apologize that this episode is a bit of a weird... It's a little bit rushed, vibe. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Like Anna I, needs to leave within four minutes, I believe. Pretty much. Yeah. I do need to get home. It's half 11 for us. We hope you understand that it's just been... Listen, listen, y'all. We're trying real hard not to make the podcast like... Take a break unnecessarily. We, we're trying to not skip a week. We're trying not to skip a week. And we just live, like, Sean's a teacher. And, like, Salem, Matt Damon loves teacher. Have you seen the clip of Matt Damon going off on... There's some fucking reporter, like, Fox News reporter or, like, Breitbart reporter. Reporter is, like, aren't, like, 10% of teachers lazy or something? Yes, I have seen this, And he's yeah. just like, yeah, 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 fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Fuck you. His, like, mother's beside him and he's like... Yeah, Give no, me. I've seen this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean's a teacher. He works very hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've been able to feel my voice giving out on me for the last, like, three days. Tell your story about how Matt Damon helped you teach a class. That's how we'll end the episode. Um, I had a class the other day where um, we're coming up to Halloween now. And there were, there were like five lads at the back of the class and I could hear them throwing off those little like firework things, those little like snapper ones that Snap, you throw the snap on the ground. Bags. Yeah. Yeah. They only did it when I was either turned around or when I was out in the chemical store getting shit for the experiment that they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, 
Boys, I know that someone in the back row is doing this. So here's the deal. Either you're all getting punished for it, or whoever does it, or whoever did it is getting punished for it. I'll let ye decide before the end of the class. Shout out to school ties. Shout out to school ties. Well, you, you never told me. What happened? Uh, they gave themselves up. The, the, the two guys who did it before the end, like, the two guys who did it did it again because I went back out into the chemical store. And then I was like, okay, you've made your decision. I'm going to start writing everybody up. And within five minutes, the two guys who were doing it came up to me and was like, it was us. Man, I can't believe Matt Damon's helping in, in like, enrich our <laughs> lives. I am the same way that number 47 has haunted me. Matt Damon kind of haunts me. Oh, yeah? Like, I just feel like I'm more aware of him now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just because we've seen him so much. Yeah. But anytime someone makes a reference to him, I'm like, that's oh, for me. Do you know? <laughs> that hole's made for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that hole's made for me. That hole's made for me. Tune in next week when we talk about Jerry. We're going to do something a little goofy before Jerry, but we're going to go for a nice walk as friends and get some coffees and have a chat before the episode. Are we going to do that? I think we should. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Should. Yeah, I think that's we're a good We're very time. near like a big like, park, so we're going to go for yeah. a little walk around the that park. That does mean for- that we'll have to do it at a weekend. We're going to do it on the bank holiday. Oh, yeah. 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 I've had a, I've put into my master rankings. I haven't done my like thirty second ranking. Okay, yeah, no, no I, yeah, 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 I see, I see. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. You don't need to. Ooh. I'm. So, I will. When we start getting into talking about the movie, I'll go plug this in. So yeah. I will. So we can do the media list. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just check the thing right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. <laughs> Um, I'm so weepy. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do the answer? I am 100% certain. Okay, let's go. <laughs>